On today's edition of Feed Kitchen's Table Talk podcast, we'll be speaking with China Moon Crowell, who's the owner and proprietor of Bartender 608 in Toxicologist and Cocktail Catering, a luxury cocktail catering business in the Madison area. Good afternoon, China. Good to, good good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. I know. Can we just talk about your business? How did you come up with the idea for Bartender 608? So when I lived in New York, my grandfather ran a speakeasy. He had a bar in his basement. Uh, he was not a very nice person, but I always had to make myself available. So I learned to mix drinks at the age of eight. <laughs> really? <laughs> From a Mr. Boston's book. What was the name of what was the name of the speakeasy? It, um, I don't remember the name, but the book with all the mixtures in it was a Mr. Boston's uh, cocktail book. Okay, at the age of eight. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, and then and then um, I always when I worked at different bars, people I always had a following basically, um, and it just kind of kind of went to the the way it kind of went to the way of the world, and wherever I was working at a brick and mortar establishment. People always asked me to do some type of private event, whether it was a backyard party, a wedding, um, mansion parties, you know, back in New York or whatever, like in the Hamptons or in the city or something like that. So it was like, oh, well, there seems to be a market for this type of thing. So how long have you actually been a paid bartender or an adult bartender, not counting the, the uh, starting at eight years old? Well, yeah, how long have you been bartending? Uh, since 1995 when my daughter was born. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then how long, when you were a kid, how long did you work in your grandpa's um, speakeasy? Mm, about a decade. So you started at 18, eight, and you worked up until 18. Pretty much off and on. Mm-hmm. And can you talk a little bit about that experience, working so young in a speakeasy in your grandfather's basement? I mean, how many people were in there? How? What were the hours? Was it all hours or what? It was It was a nighttime thing, so usually um, I got permission to stay up at least past, you know, I would go to bed maybe 10, 10.30. It was elementary school. Um, people would come starting around maybe 6 or so when they got off of work. There were card parties. They would play music. Um, my Uncle Louie would bring Intimus coffee cake um, and uh deli sandwiches, you know, from the delicatessen, knish, and all of that. Um, I got tips from uh, the the patrons, so dimes, nickels, quarters, <laughs> um, now later is candy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so basically it was a way, as a Gen Xer, it was a way to be seen and not heard and make myself available. And I learned a lot because I learned to listen. So there was a lot of uh, conversation. What about your friends uh, at the time, uh, kids that you were hanging out with in the neighborhood? Did they know that you were also one of the uh, best bartenders in the neighborhood? They really didn't know that, but they know their parents were always at our house. Okay. (laughs) So, you know, during the day I was just a kid. I went to school. We jumped double dutch, rode bikes, you know, roller skated. normal things. And then you're like, well, I got to go to work and make some drinks. Yeah, so... what what was that like as a kid to be around that environment? It was normal for me. Like that's mm-hmm. there's nothing. I mean, looking back, it's different. Um, however, but again, it's it's New York. It's the '80s. You know, there's mad music. There's mad block parties. You know, everybody's trying to you know make a buck, and 
my grandfather, his literally his nickname was Kino because he was a gambler. So, um, but yeah, I learned how to play cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I learned how to shoot dice. Uh, and best thing, you know, learning how to mix drinks because I can go anywhere with that. <laughs> All right. So then how did you uh, uh, find yourself in Madison? Our family had to move. New York was getting bad. So basically I've moved back and forth about four or five times. <laughs> um, but things were getting bad. That was in the time where um, there was like a, a lot of shootings going on. Um, uh, metal detectors were coming into the schools. Um, you know, know, Reagan was president. That Mm -hmm. was a whole nother thing. Um, uh, The crack cocaine epidemic was, you know, at an all-time high, and it was just, I had always come out here to visit um, my aunt, uh, aunt, uncle, and cousins um, every summer. So every summer we would come and take the train from uh, Penn Station in New York to Union Station, um, and we would drive back and forth uh, from Madison to my grandmother's house in Chicago. So I was between the two states all summer. Um, and then I just found out during a visit, I, they was like, yeah, you're not leaving. I'm like, what you mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we just happened to, so yeah. It was, why did they Why did they say, you? who said you weren't leaving? M- my aunt just came to me one day. It was this, again, I'm from an era where adults were just very blunt. There was no sugar coating. It was like, it was not like, let's sit down and have a talk and it was, it was none of that it was just like so you're not leaving your your mom says you're staying here so that was um it was very difficult for me because i didn't get a chance to say goodbye to anybody they just knew i was gone for the summer and i didn't return was this while you were in high school or what mm-hmm. okay so here you are find yourself in madison huh uh, you know, um, I know it's probably natural to fall into being bartending, but were there any other things that you used to do, other hobbies you had or things that you liked to do? Dance, as you know, was always um, a big part of my life. Um, I didn't even start teaching until, you know, I moved to the Midwest. Um, and I would teach between here and Chicago. I taught uh, salsa, um, bachata, merengue, um, and... It was another but one. You were I can't teaching think of a, a lot of Latin dancing. Yeah. All right. And when did you start bartending in Madison? Where were your first places that you started working? Uh, the first place I started bartending was Scats, I believe. And it was way on the west, uh, in Middleton, I believe it was. And then after that, I got a job at El Cardinal. At the El Cardinal Bar. We're talking the legendary Cardinal Bar. Yes, we're not um, Ricardo. <laughs> right. And. So what about that? I mean, you see, you probably were a natural, right, and able to fit right in. Was there any difference in the types of drinks you were pouring in the Midwest than what you were pouring uh, in your grandfather's speakeasy? Old fashions. Okay. Are a big thing. Uh, lots of brandy, lots of bourbon here. Um, back home, it was a lot of vodka, a lot of cognac, a lot of gin. Mm-hmm. All right, so you... You've mastered the art of martinis also here in Madison. Absolutely. So how long have you been bartending now in Madison? A long time. (laughs) (laughs) Too long, too. All right, that's okay. Too, too, too too long. What made you decide that you could get into a, a bartending catering business? Again, when bartending at various brick and mortar clubs, people would always ask me to do something for a private event. Mm. And it came to be where 
the inquiries and the revenue from the private events exceeded those from the brick and mortar gigs. Mm -hmm. So um, I basically did about three months of market research and I knew that mobile gardening was big on the East and West Coast, not so much in the Midwest that I had even heard of. So um, did that put some feelers out and then it just kind of, anybody can come to your house and pour a drink or uh, you know, pop open some wine. So basically I wanted it to be I started out as a wedding event company just for the the bartending with that and then we graduated up to corporate and then further socials as well. With the luxury I wanted to make sure that people had an actual experience and actually had time to visit with their guests. So many times that people throw a party they're not even there to enjoy the guests because they're running around getting eyes. Somebody's got to go to the store they can't actually enjoy the whole purpose that they wanted to throw this event right, for. Right, because they're making drinks and making everybody uh, be comfortable. So you said, no, I'll handle that part That's of, correct. of the thing. We're speaking with China Moon Crowell, who's the um, uh, owner of Bartender 608 in Toxicologists and Cocktail Caterers. It's a luxury cocktail catering business. Um, and... Uh, she also operates out of the Madison Feed Kitchen. Can you uh, just tell us what your relationship with Madison Feed Kitchen is and how you found out about Madison Feed Kitchen? Absolutely. I found out about it through the uh, Madison Black Chamber, and we needed a, a commercial kitchen for making our mocktails and also doing our, our dishes um, You know, after our gigs. We have a lot of bar dishes to wash glassware and such. Um, and it's very been very helpful, especially being open 24 hours. Um, so for an eight-hour event, we that may be a 12-hour day for us just for that, and then we'll need to come in, you know, late and do dishes. So um, it also helps us that we can be here um, when a lot of the other uh, patrons are not here, mm -hmm. so we can just basically you know get in and get out and. Um, I really like the, the location. Um, I reside in Wanakee, so it's close to home. Been a godsend. And how long has uh, Bartender 608 been in business? Um, this May, coming up in 2024, we'll be, seven, we'll be celebrating 17 years in business. Wow, so, 17 years. So May 14th, 2007 was the day we technically opened our doors. Wow, that's, that's very commendable. Sure. Very good thing. Um, what have you learned uh, in these uh, um, 17 years of, of running your business? Everyone is different, but they like what they like. So, for example, if someone, like most bartenders usually we hate when people say, surprise me. So I like to try to dig a little bit deeper by asking open-ended questions, especially for people who want to surprise, but they know what they like. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if someone just drinks Gibson's or gin martinis, I know that, okay, so your preferred spirit is gin. I will try to get them to try something new with their preferred spirit, and then maybe I can try to get them to try something else next time. So if you stick with kind of what they know and then broaden their horizons for next time, they're a little bit more receptive to that. All right, now I've seen you work at regular bars and brick and mortar places also. When you do those gigs, are you um, an employee of that establishment or are you working as a 
uh, as a member of Bartender 608? Do you know? I mean, are you a, a hired gun or what? <laughs> no. Um, I was employees at those establishments. Okay. Um, uh, I'm actually an employee at North Street Cabaret, um, which is kitty quarter from the Tip Top Tavern. Mm -hmm. um, and I usually uh, bartend every now and then, maybe once or twice a month. Um, for uh, j those jazz ses sessions, um, open mics, and things of that nature. At the North Street Cabaret? Yes. Right. Are you able to make a living with your business right now, Bartender 608, doing this? I am again now. Um, after three years of coronavirus, mm -hmm. um, it really put us under the gun. Um, basically, three years of almost no revenue um, was very difficult. Uh, just trying to actually live and so you know I had to do other things as far as uh, I did my cocktail classes through zoom um, I had mocktail gift baskets that I would deliver to people for special occasions mm -hmm. so anything to keep that revenue stream going because you know AP accounts payable don't take a nap so yeah, that's right I was no. gonna ask you that <laughs> was a big question is how the COVID pandemic affected the bartending profession overall but your business you kind of address that but what about that period um, that stood out for you? Did you ever think you were going to go back to uh, uh, being a bartender in a bar type situation? And yeah, I, I I actually do like bartending every now and then in a brick and mortar bar because there's just a different feel versus being at a, a corporate or a social event. Mm -hmm. Just you know your regular joes, whether they're blue collar, or white collar the conversation is just different and I do enjoy that and sometimes I miss it. Um, being the CEO and founder of Bartender 608, I don't get to be in front of my clients as much since I'm the face of the company so more of my role is sales and networking versus actually bartending at a specific event with my team. Mm -hmm. um, but I do like to come out to events and I will for um, special clients or special requests. Mm -hmm. Speaking of your team, how many people do you employ? Um, we are at nine right now. Wow. And that includes uh, Julie, um, who is our sales assistant and office manager, and it also includes Drake, uh, who is our operations and warehouse manager. Wow. That's a big operation. That's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Where was the turning point in your business where you said, hey, this is something I can make a living at. This is something where I can employ other people. Where, and, of course, notwithstanding the, the COVID era, which we're just still kind of uh, moving out of, but when did you realize that this was a good idea? And also, is there any other competition in uh, the area for what you're doing? Not so much competition per se, but there are other companies that do mobile bartending in various areas. Um, I believe we are the only company, but I may be wrong, that actually serves three states. We serve the entire state of Wisconsin, Iowa, and Northern Illinois. So a lot of certain businesses stay within their area, whether it's the Milwaukee area, just Southern Wisconsin. Um, and us being a luxury company, we need to focus on the actual guest so that they can focus on their guest. So we wanna take care of everything for that person, for that company, for that party that they're doing. Um, a lot of people 
want to do certain things themselves. We are the entire package. You basically have a discovery call with us. We get you a quote. We go over everything that you can possibly think of and things that you don't know to ask because a lot of people don't know what they don't know. What makes you a luxury cocktail business? What is meant by luxury cocktail? We give you back your time. Um, a lot of things that go with planning a party. If you think about it in layman's terms, you have a piece of paper, okay, we're going to have a party, you know, let's say Jen's, Jen and John's 60th wedding anniversary. Who are we inviting? Are we going to have it at the house? Or are we going to have it at a venue? Does that venue have a bar? Do people drink? Do we have things for mocktails? Who drinks coffee? We're going to do glassware. We're going to do plastic. You know, all these things, you know, who's bringing in the ice? How many pounds of ice do we need? Mm -hmm. You know, are we going to bring in food? Heavy apps, actual meal, you know, who's going to plan all this? Who's going to deliver that alcohol? So sometimes, <laughs> do you get asked to, to actually arrange everything, including the food, not just the drinks? Yep, that's what we do. Oh, wow. So basically, when you call us, we should be the only phone call you should have to make for that event. Really? Yes. And what about uh, the decorations and things like that? You handle we that have, aspect? Of we have connections for all of that. All you right. want a balloon arrangement, you want flowers. We can take care of all of that. Wow. And the food, where do you go for uh, your food sources? Uh, we work, um, we've, been, we've worked with Mickey's Bakes. Uh, we've worked with um, Therese from Not So Tricky Food. She now has a brick and mortar uh, establishment now. Uh, Gaylord Catering has always been uh, one of our cheerleaders. Um, so again, in the hospitality business, we all talk to each other. So in a lot of, uh, a lot of those individuals also are part of the various chambers um, that I'm affiliated with. So, you know, our, well, old school talk, but they're always in my Rolodex. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. So uh, uh, the part of your luxury cocktail business obviously means that you add high-end alcohol at its top shelf. Do you also serve, depending on the budget, uh, uh, you know, uh, rail liquor and uh, mid-level uh, cocktails or, or liquor? It's, it's always whatever the guest wants. Okay. So... You know, whether you want a Smirnoff, you know, or you want a, let's say, like a, a, a Kettle One or a Grey Goose, it doesn't matter to us. Your happiness and what your guests want just depends on you. Now, we will offer suggestions depending on what type of cocktails, because if you're having a cocktail that is more mixer, you can go with a lower level spirit. If you're going with a cocktail um, that is more spirit-based, you want a higher level cocktail, um, a higher a higher uh, level as far as top shelf. Mm -hmm. But again, it all depends on what you want. But we're here to help with suggestions. Is there a busy season for uh, your business? May through October. May through October. Mm -hmm. Those are, of course, weddings, but those are uh, times where uh, our corporate events are doing um, ground groundbreaking, excuse me, groundbreaking opportunities. They're doing open houses. They're doing employee appreciation events, outdoor summer events, um, our socials, a lot of uh, backyard pool parties, um, anniversaries, birthdays, anything of that nature. So any if any event you can think of, we've probably done it. You would think that the holiday season might be a, a 
peak time for your business, no? Not really. Um, our holiday parties usually run from November to February, and our last holiday party of this year was on January 5th, which was a Friday. So, so how we, busy are you? Um, we usually do about 100, 150 events a year. Mm -hmm. um, so we are shooting um, either to have about that much or a little more with basically more events, you know, with a higher cost, or excuse me, less events with a higher cost or more events with our average cost. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say about your business? And how can people find out about you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so people can look us up online. We are simply at bartender608.com. We uh, also offer cocktail classes um, at Steve's on University Avenue. and we At did the that. liquor store? Mm-hmm. Okay. In their tasting room, so we will be starting that up again this year. Is that a regular thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a weekly thing. It will be a weekly thing. So <clears throat> those dates will be to come keep abreast of our website um, for information, or people can sign up for our newsletter. Um, there's no spam. We don't sell your information, and you only get one a month. <laughs> Uh, we are also gearing up for our gal pal, excuse me, gearing up for our gal pal Valentine um, pickups for those will be um, Monday through Wednesday, February 12th, the 13th through the, sorry, 12th through the 14th, um, and we'll have uh, three options available. What is that? So we will have three type of gift basket type of things uh, available for purchase. Um, they will include um, everything for a, a Valentine date, a Palentine get together, um, or a Galentine get together. You know, like a girls' night out. Mm -hmm. Or a Palentine, the pals yeah. getting yeah. together. That's right. And with instructions on how to make the drinks, also. Yes, you'll have okay. instructions. You'll have um, the. You'll get. It comes with two recipes. It's very goodie bag. If we have three levels. Um, 55, 100, and 150 dollar levels, and then pickup will be at my office at Starting Block. Oh wow! Okay, well, thank you very much, China. This is a, a, a it's very good to hear about you and uh, and to see that your business is doing so good. China Moon Crowell from Bartender Six Hundred Eight in Toxicologist. Thank you so much for being on Table Talk. Thank you, Tony. Thank you.